Our Father in heaven, we thank you for raising up Elijah and Elisha. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us your word and recording the works of God in them and through them so that we might know who you are and put our faith in you, so that we might see glimpses of Jesus as you prepared your people and prepared history for the coming of the greater prophet, the greatest prophet, Jesus. And Lord, as you took him to heaven on that day, Lord, we pray that you would fix our eyes on heaven and on him who opens heaven for us, the Lord Jesus. So Lord, give us ears to hear your word. Let us not just simply be hearers, but let us be doers of your word and lay hold of it with faith and come away from it changed. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we do come tonight to the final story from Elijah's life where he is taken to heaven and then Elisha takes his place. And it's this amazing story. And one of the things that's interesting about it is how it's such a contrast to the previous story. Such a contrast to last week, to last chapter. Think about Ahaziah, King Ahaziah. He was told that his time was near. He would surely die, but he was not ready. He was not reconciled to God. He was unrepentant and unbelieving. And he would not go to heaven in that state. He would die in his sins. And so that was a sad and tragic end. But Elijah, on the other hand, Elijah at the end of his life was walking with God. Walking by faith. He was a repentant sinner trusting in God for salvation. And so he was ready for heaven. He was ready to leave this world. He was ready for his eternal home. His work was complete. He had run his race. And even though it was a race of great sacrifice and difficulty and challenge, God was now finally going to give him rest and give him his reward, welcome him to his ultimate home. And so this is really a precious passage as we see Elijah finish his work on earth and enter heaven. Another interesting thing is last time fire fell from heaven in judgment. Tonight the fire of heaven comes in grace and in love and carries Elijah to heaven. And while his departure brought loss to those on earth. It was great gain for Elijah. This was a great reward. And what we see at the end of his life is that Elijah is walking by faith, even at the very end. And Elisha is following his teacher as well. He too is also walking by faith as he says goodbye, as he never leaves Elijah, and as he's ready to take up his work in his place. And in this final story, we also see yet again the faithfulness of God, the love of God as he takes Elijah in a very wonderful way. And this all ought to be such an encouragement to those of you who are trusting in Christ tonight. God will bring you home. God will take you to heaven. And so keep walking by faith in him. Be ready for when God takes you to heaven. And it's a call for everyone 
to make sure they are right with God, to have faith in God and in his son so that you might be ready to meet God, so that when that time comes, you too, like Elijah, can enter heaven, enter glory. Brothers and sisters, the the last story of Elijah's life calls you tonight. The, The word of God calls you tonight to walk by faith as you journey home, ready for heaven, prepared for your eternal home. Walk by faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus and your ultimate home as you make this pilgrim journey. Keep walking by faith until God takes you home as he takes Elijah tonight. Let's start by considering this story and see how Elijah takes one last journey. One last journey for Elijah. Look again with me at verse 1 and 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The Lord takes all of his people to heaven. And as his time draws near to go to heaven, God sends Elijah on one last journey. And not only did God know when he would take Elijah, he knew how he would take him as well. And brothers and sisters, this is true for you and I as well. God knows when he will take us and how he will take us. Now, the way he takes Elijah is very unique, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, But it is true that God always knows and has it planned when and how he will take his people. Ordinarily, he takes his children by way of death. Uh, That last enemy, that curse. In fact, always God takes his children by death until Christ returns. Enoch was the one exception, the one exception until Elijah. We read in Genesis 5:24, Enoch walked with God and then he was not for God took him. Well, verse 2 tells us God was going to take Elijah to heaven, but not by the death of the body, but by a whirlwind. Well, God takes his people home. He takes them to heaven when and how he chooses, uh, even though it's unknown to us. But what we see with Elijah, as he knows his time is approaching, is that he's ready. He's ready to be taken. He's ready for heaven. He was submitted to the will of God. Uh, He was even at the end going where God sent him. What about you, brothers and sisters? Are you ready Do you trust that God is sovereign over death, over how and when he will take you? Do you know that he will take all of his people to heaven without fail? Well, as his time nears, God sends Elijah on a journey. And three times Elijah tells Elisha to stay because the Lord has sent him. First to Bethel, then to Jericho, and then to the Jordan. And this seems to be a a, a farewell journey to locations that are covenantally significant, historically significant. 
And we're going to talk about why he asks Elijah or Elisha to stay. We'll get there later. But these places where he goes, where the Lord sends him, are very significant. Bethel was the second place Abraham pitched his tent in Canaan. Uh, He built an altar and worshipped God there. Uh, It's where Jacob dreamed of the ladder to heaven and said, This is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. And kids, you remember Jericho. Jericho was uh, Israel's first victory after they marched around there in the promised land and the walls fell down. And then finally, they go to the Jordan. That's where God brought Israel across on dry land into the promised land. So each of these really significant places are like monuments to what God had done in the past. Monuments to the faithfulness of God. God's faithfulness to his people. God's faithfulness to his promises. God gave just what he had promised. Uh, He gave rest. He gave the reward, the inheritance he promised. And God would soon do that for his faithful prophet as he brings him around to these places. And he does so for all of his people. He would keep all of his promises and bring Elijah into his eternal rest as well, just as he had been faithful to Israel of old. And and Elijah would have been reminded of that as he went to these particular places. But these places were also significant, it seems, because of who was there. We read about twice these groups, and they must have been somewhat sizable because there were 50 of them and one of them, at least 50, these groups of the so-called sons of the prophets. Now, we don't know much about who these people were, but it seems they were men in training who were being discipled and taught by the prophets, by people like Elijah and Elisha. These were underground seminaries, if you will, where Elijah, uh, it's likely, would would go on a circuit and teach these men. And uh, they were spiritual sons, not literal sons. Uh, Elijah was a father in the faith to them, a father in the ministry as he's training future prophets. And so God is bringing Elijah to visit these schools, these men, one last time. And it's interesting, as they come to these places, these men somehow know either been revealed to them or told to them they know that elijah will be taken away and so at both places they approach elisha with concern and ask him do you know what's going to happen Uh, they see elijah's departure as very significant they see it as a loss as a big change perhaps something that could be avoided but elisha shows his faith and says yes i know twice He says, I know, keep quiet. He knows, but this doesn't call for panic. It doesn't call for anything other than to trust God and submit to his plan and to be ready to watch and wait. The presence of these sons of the prophets that seem to know and love and and care about Elijah and have something of a relationship with him show us that it seems Elijah has been busy. Elijah has been cultivating relationships with young men, investing in the future spiritual welfare of Israel. And remember, it was not that long ago that all hope seemed to be lost. Remember, Elijah felt all alone. 
Remember, Jezebel had killed so many of the faithful prophets. But now, even at the end of his life, even as much of Israel is still apostate, there was work to be done, and there was work being done by Elijah as these prophets are being trained. Faithful Israelites are being trained to serve God, to carry out the prophetic office. And and we're given a clue here that Elisha is not going to be alone in his service and ministry. And friends, this is a reminder to us that we should not prepare for heaven. We should not handle the evil of our age by idle contemplation and withdraw and retreat. But rather, we should eagerly serve the Lord and serve the next generation with hope. We should keep walking by faith to the end, ready for heaven, but still serving the Lord while he has us on earth. And and some of you older saints here tonight, I see you doing this. Uh, Continue to press on serving the Lord. Um, There's this story from Calvin's life. This is the way Calvin finished his race. Uh, He preached his last sermon And he had to be carried out of the pulpit and carried home. Uh, He was not idle waiting for heaven. He had not uh, given up the fight and retired and just eased as he neared the end of his life. He pressed on in faith. And we see that in the life of Elijah. Elijah was ready for heaven, ready to be taken. But he was serving the Lord with faithfulness. Well, he shows that readiness as he follows God's call in his last journey and as he performs one last miracle. And I want us to consider that second tonight. One last miracle. Look with me again at verse 7 and following. Uh, They've come to the Jordan River. And it says, Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them uh, as they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water And the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them came, uh, to the two of them could go over on dry ground. Elijah knows his time is drawing near, but he continues to walk by faith where the Lord sends. And now the Lord sends him to the Jordan River. And as he draws near to the Jordan, he doesn't seek out a ferry. He doesn't try to swim across. Uh, He does one last miracle by God's power, showing once again, as he's proclaimed with his name and with his life and ministry, that the Lord is God. And you know who's there watching from a distance? You know who gets to witness this miracle is a group of the sons of the prophets. They get to see the power of God at work in this man with their own lives. They see his faith the faith of their departing father. And this would have made a lasting impression on them. They would have never forgotten uh, this powerful work of God that they witnessed. And Elijah's miracle is quite familiar because this is where and this is how God brought his people into the promised land many years before. And they would have thought back to that time. Remember, Joshua led them to the Jordan and told them, The Lord would do wonders among them. And the priests carried the ark into the Jordan River and stood there, and the Lord stopped the waters. And Joshua said, This is how you will know the living God is among you. And God brought them across on dry ground. They 
They witnessed the work of God. They knew that God was their God. And he was powerful. And he was their savior. And he was the one going before them into the promised land. Well, God is showing all of this and more as Elijah parts the Jordan. As he takes up the the symbol of his office, the symbol of the Spirit's power, his cloak. Much like Moses took up his staff and he strikes the water and the water parts and they go across on dry ground. You know who's also there watching is Elisha. And Elisha sees this and he experiences it with Elijah and he's going to do the very same thing with that cloak to get back across. Now the Jordan River has become symbolic of death. Uh, The final passage before heaven. And just as the Jordan was a gateway for Israel to enter their rest, for Israel to enter their long-awaited inheritance, so it is for Elijah here. But he's not afraid to cross. And God brings him across by his power and by his faithfulness and grace. And brothers and sisters, you too can have confidence that God will bring you home. God will bring you through the Jordan by that same faithfulness and power. And he will do it in his time and in his way, but he will bring you through. The Jordan is not only significant in the Old Testament, though. The Jordan River is where John the Baptist, the second Elijah, dressed like Elijah, that is where he baptized Jesus. And as Jesus was baptized and anointed by the Holy Spirit, A voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And Jesus would leave the Jordan, anointed by the Holy Spirit, baptized, and he would go face Satan's temptations. He would go live a perfect life. He would carry out his ministry, and then he would lay down his life for his people. And friends, Jesus is ultimately why Elijah, why you and why I can face death, with faith, why we can be taken across to heaven. He is why you and I can be ready for the Jordan, not by your own strength, by your wisdom, not by a life of good works, but by the finished work of Jesus, by the grace and power of God, by faith. God is faithful. He brings all of his children across the Jordan, to their eternal inheritance, to their final home through his son who has gone before us, who has already faced death and conquered it for us. Well, as Elijah walks by faith and crosses the Jordan, he then asks Elisha to make one last request. And we're going to consider that third tonight. One last request. Before we consider Elisha's request, though, let's talk about this dialogue between them on the journey. It's quite, the, quite repetitive. I told you to notice the repetition. But three times on this journey, Elijah turns to Elisha and says, Please stay. The Lord has sent me to such and such a place. But three times, Elisha responds in the very same way. He says, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. He promises by the living God that he's not going to leave, that he's going to go with him. It reminds me of the scene from Ruth 
and Naomi. Where you go, I will go. I am not turning back. It's as if uh, Elisha says, I see the off-ramp. I hear your request. But no, I am not going anywhere. I am staying with you. And this is great devotion, great faith. But why? What's going on here? Why does Elijah keep asking and why does Elisha keep refusing? Well, there's speculation. Some suggest that this is humility. Elijah perhaps knows um, about his glorious departure and he doesn't want Elisha to see, doesn't want Elisha thinking much of him. Uh, Maybe that could be. But I think rather this is one final test, one final lesson as Elijah is discipling Elisha. Elijah's testing Elisha's commitment. He's testing his resolve. He's testing his dedication to his calling. Will he go on to the end or will he turn back after Elijah's gone? Would he do something easier or would he press on in faith? Would he stay with Elijah as he was called by God to do while Elijah was still there learning from him to the end, ready to pick up in service of God when he left. I think that's what's going on here. And by God's grace, we see that Elisha is committed. He is courageous. He's not afraid of Elijah's departure. I know, keep quiet, he says twice to the sons of the prophets, and then three times, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. I will not leave you. And he keeps his word. He is there to the end. He stays with him to the very end. And so there at the end, when Elijah asks him, what can I do for you? Elisha's ready for that question. Look again at verse 9. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Kids, look at that verse. Elijah says, whatever you want. And Elisha doesn't ask for riches. He doesn't ask for glory. doesn't ask for ease or comfort. He doesn't say, well, can you give me a new job, a new calling? I, I do not want to follow you. He doesn't ask for these things, but he asks to have what he needs to fulfill his calling and serve his generation. He asks for the gifts and graces of Elijah, for the spirit of Elijah, so that he might carry on in faithfulness, so that he might do what God has called him. And so we see Elisha, like Elijah, walking by faith. He's not at the end of his life. He's in some ways at the very beginning of his great ministry. But he's walking by faith. He's not turning away. He's not turning back from God's call. He's not living for this world, but for his God and for God's people and for heaven. And friends, uh, young people, what about you? Who are you living for? What are you living for? If someone great or famous was about to die and you actually got to be with them just before they were dying and they looked to you and asked you, what do you want? What can I do for you? What can I give you before I die? What, would, what comes to mind? What would you want? 
money, possessions, fame, earthly greatness. Well, Elijah really wants to be like Jesus. He wants the Holy Spirit to equip him like Elijah so that he might be faithful, so that he might have strength to serve. And this isn't a, a request to, be, to do twice as much or be twice as great as Elijah. This is, this is the request like a firstborn in Israel to be given his father's inheritance, the double portion, to carry on the name and the work of his father. Elisha's great desire is to have the strength and grace like Elijah to serve and honor God. His passion is to glorify God, to be faithful like his father in the faith. And friends, what would you ask for? What do you ask for? What do you long for? Elisha says, I will not leave you, and I want to be like you. Are you tempted to live for this world? Are you tempted to turn away from God's call and to give up? The interesting thing is God tells us again and again, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never stop loving you. And friends, your persevering faith, your service to God is not grounded in your strength or your determination or your grit, but it's grounded in God's, his faithfulness, his promises, his son. And it's his spirit that is enabling Elisha to respond in this way by his grace. Well, Elijah says, you have asked a hard thing, but it shall be done if you see me depart. He really leaves it in God's hands. And as we read, he does see Elijah depart. He's granted this request by God. But then finally, the the story comes to a climax as Elijah is taken to his one last home. And that's what I want us to consider fourth and finally tonight. One last home. Look again with me at verse 11. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Just as quickly as Elijah entered the scene, in 1 Kings, he leaves the, the scene here in 2 Kings. And we read that as he continued to walk by faith towards heaven and talk with Elijah, with Elisha, uh, he is separated from him by these horses and chariots of fire. And then the Lord takes him up into heaven by a whirlwind. Wow. If you don't know the story, this is not what you would be expecting. And it's also short and simple and yet glorious and mysterious. Elijah's days on earth are finished and his work is now done. And so with great love and with this special care in a most unique and glorious way, God takes him to heaven. And I keep using that word take or taken intentionally Because that's the word used multiple times in our text. And it's the same word used for Enoch. He was, uh, God took him. And it puts the emphasis on God's action in bringing, transferring, taking Elijah, 
taking his people to heaven. We do not climb to heaven. We do not enter heaven from something we do or on our own. No, God takes us. God takes his servant to heaven. And the way he does it here is so striking and and unique and beautiful. God sends this angelic escort of horses and chariots of fire to Elijah. And I wonder if you can imagine this. What was this like? Imagine being Elisha watching this and having this memory for the, the rest of your life. And then God uses this great wind to then finally carry Elijah home. And the way in which God does this is so fitting because this is the prophet that has battled Baal his whole life. Baal, the so-called rider of the clouds, who supposedly rode chariots on the wind and the, and the weather, the God of the wind. You know, the Lord who is the true God, the living God, the, the Lord, the true God, sends wind and fire and angels to take his treasured saint home to glory. And it's really a final act of defeat and humiliation to the false god Baal and glory to the true God. Now remember, Elijah never saw fire and wind of revival. He never saw the fire or wind of judgment as he had hoped in his life. But here in a display of love, personal love of God for his servant, God sends wind and fire to welcome him home with great honor. And this is the last thing that Elijah saw with his eyes on earth. I think the most remarkable thing here is not that Elijah goes to heaven with chariots or a whirlwind, but that it's, he's taken to heaven without death. Now, that could raise a lot of questions. How could he go to heaven without experiencing the death of his body? Well, it's not because Elijah was sinless. It is not because he had done so much good in his life. It's not because he did not inherit Adam's sin and in that curse of death. No, it's because of God's sovereign love and mercy. It's because God has power over death. Uh, He too was covered by the blood of Jesus who is yet to come. Jesus is the one who gained entrance for Elijah to heaven. And Jesus is the one who would take the curse of death for him and for all of God's people. And now his faith became sight. Now his weary body is glorified. His race is finished and he gets to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And even as he's taken to heaven in this most unique way, the prophet still speaks as he's taken to heaven. We get this glimpse, this foreshadowing of how Jesus would ascend to heaven after his work on earth was done, after his death and resurrection. We get a picture of how believers at Christ's return, who are still alive, will be caught up in the clouds to meet him. And we even get a picture of how God takes all of his children, how he takes the souls of all of his people immediately to heaven, Immediately, immediately to glory at their death with great love and care. 
And so Elijah's homecoming is one more display of God's faithfulness and love. And it's one more display, as we've seen all through his life, that God's ways and God's plans are not ours. This is not how anyone would have expected Elijah to get to heaven. And yet it highlights for us God's goodness, God's mercy, his care, his plan, his sovereign will. And it's ironic as well because you remember earlier, Elijah wanted to die. He wanted to die under that broom tree when he was so discouraged, when he was despairing, when he was all alone, when he was at the end of himself, when he saw no future. He no longer wanted to live and he asked to die. But God said, no, I want you to live. I want to use you more. I want to show my love and my power and my sovereignty to you and through you. And Elijah, you're actually never going to die. And so he's brought straight to heaven. God is faithful. God loves Elijah. God loves his people. God loves you if you belong to him tonight. And he will be faithful to you. God rewards his faithful, weary pilgrim with heaven, with his eternal home, with eternal life, with eternal rest. And Elijah leaves the earthly remnant of God's people to join the heavenly multitude of saints beyond number. Now at last he gets to go to his real home, his ultimate home. And Elisha sees all of this. He looks on He cries, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Elijah sees his father, the the true defender of Israel, cross his finish line and go home with this royal, military, angelic, heavenly escort. And he's now ready to take his place and to carry out his call. And because he's seen it, he will receive what he asked for, that double portion there's so much to see here, but this, this story, this heavenly homegoing is a beautiful picture, a foretaste in a unique and glorious way of all that Jesus Christ has won, not just for Elijah, but for you, for all of God's people. This is how he loves and cares for all of his saints. This is what you have to look forward to if your faith is in Jesus Christ tonight. One writer reflects on this and says, Future bliss shall infinitely compensate present sacrifices and sufferings, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. People of God, as you have followed the life of Elijah these past months, what a fitting way to close and to leave this man of God, because this is the glory, this is the hope, this is the home that you await. This is the heaven, the future that awaits every one of you who is trusting in Elijah's God. Every one of you who knows and believes what Elijah proclaimed so long ago, that the Lord is God. That the Lord is alive and he is real and he saves. And friends, you can know this to an even greater degree than Elijah did because he was just a forerunner of Jesus. 
He was just one prophet in a line of prophets that led to the last and greatest prophet. Jesus, who is the fullness of God's revelation, the fullness of God's plan, the Messiah, the Savior, the one who conquered death and said, I am going before you to prepare a place for you. And so we're reminded in this most beautiful way here in 2 Kings that heaven is real. Kids, do you, do you realize that? Do you see here tonight in this passage, heaven is real. Do you know that and believe that? It's wonderful and it is opened for sinners through Jesus Christ. Heaven is real. Redemption is real. We've seen in the life of Elijah and even recently, death is real. Judgment is real. But friends, so is heaven. And so is life in Jesus Christ. And Elijah, who is a man like us, is there right now, tonight, with a real glorified body. Jesus is there right now with a real glorified body. And boys and girls, men and women, Jesus will take you there. Jesus will take you home. This is your future. This is your home if you fix your eyes on him as Savior. If you journey through this life by faith. And we've seen and we've learned from Elijah that this means walking by faith, not by sight. It's not easy. It means going wherever the Lord calls. Maybe to a hidden brook or to a faraway widow, or straight to the king who wants you dead. It means trusting and following God's word when so many reject it. It means being outnumbered or or hated at times in this world, but knowing that the Lord is God. It, It means proclaiming that and praying with faith, with faith, praying fervently. Submitting to the Lord as God, even when his ways are not our ways. Brothers and sisters, one day the Lord will take you home. And your faith will become sight. And your tears will be wiped away. And you will behold your Savior and your God. In fullness of joy, just like Elijah here tonight. God will take you to heaven through Jesus But until then, fix your eyes with faith on him. Be ready. Be eager. Fix your eyes on Jesus who will bring you through that Jordan River and serve him while you are still here on earth. Walk by faith as you journey home, ready for heaven, longing for heaven. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you that you spoke by the prophets long ago, that you revealed yourself, and that you have revealed the way of life, the way to heaven, the way to be right with you. We thank you and praise you for the faith that you worked in Elijah. And Lord, we know this was not Elijah, this was you at work in him by your Spirit, The same work that you are doing still today in sinners 
who do not deserve heaven. But Lord, we praise you and thank you that you sent your son to live and die and rise again, to cross through death and conquer it for us, that we might have a living hope, uh, that this might be our hope and our expectation and our future. So Lord, help us to fix our eyes on him with faith. Help us to live for our ultimate home. Enable us to walk by faith and to continue to serve you while you have us here as pilgrims. Lord, do this for your glory. And uh, we pray that, Lord Jesus, you would come quickly. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.